0: Welcome to Cloud Insiders, the podcast that brings cloud down to earth. As always, head over to cloudinsiders.fm for show notes and more. Now let's get into it. I'm sat here today with Guy Ratcliffe, Head of Offerings for Hybrid IT for Amaya, um, for the Managed Infrastructure Services Group of Fujitsu. Welcome. Thank you very much. And Peter Grant, the CTO of Extrovert and Frequent Flyer. Welcome back. Hi,
1: Ali. Excellent.
0: Good to be here. Excellent. Let's get straight into it, guys. So, Guy, for people who don't already know, who are Fujitsu and what do you do? So, Fujitsu are uh,
2: one of the world's largest um, uh, IT vendors, um, globally uh, based, but obviously we have our, most importantly, we actually have our um, HQ in Japan, which kind of gives us a a bit of a different slant in the marketplace because whereas many of the other IT vendors are um, kind of US based etc, um, having that, um, that kind of Japan influence um, actually provides a completely different uh, slant in the way we approach
0: business and the way we approach solutions. Mm. Mm. I've worked for Japanese vendors myself in the past and certainly right. Do you want to give us a, a bit of an overview of Fujitsu Cloud? Yeah. And, uh, and what's happening in that space and what makes it unique?
2: Yeah, so lots. Um, so, so we launched something uh, about eight months ago now um, called MetaArc, which is an overall brand uh, or proposition which essentially groups together everything that we're doing within the cloud space. Um, and what that does is it gives us uh, the vast set of tools and capabilities that we need to develop uh, sort of new digital offerings going to the market. So underneath that, we have um, both, uh, both our partner clouds as well as um, our own cloud services. So it's you know it, it kind of covers many many aspects, uh, and it covers the whole hybrid IT uh, space, and is, and is kind of a foundation in the foundation and the enabler for all that we do around hybrid IT. So um, Vajito itself has got uh, a number of different cloud platforms. There's older ones which we've had um, for a while. Um, and then there's the new one which is um, K5 which is based on OpenStack
0: Tell us a bit about that OpenStack is definitely something that interests a lot of the audience and it's a hot topic
2: Yeah so you know I think OpenStack is starting to mature as a product but it's still quite difficult to deploy We've spoken to a number of customers and um, there's quite a lot of failure rate when you actually deploy and wanting to create that whole thing you know the whole set of OpenStack components what do you choose, how do you choose it how do you make sure that it's resilient. Um, what we've done in the last um, around about two years is we've had a massive investment program to create uh, an OpenStack cloud, which allows us to address different parts of the marketplace. So it'll go from public through to virtual private and private cloud infrastructures, and it'll also have a product play. Um, but that it gives us a, a really good base to be able to work on. And it means the customer doesn't have to worry about, you know, in a private cloud instance, that they have to go in, try and work out what projects to use and, and deploy.
1: So the OpenStack offering, is that something you would um, you would build on your, your kit? So you deliver it to the customer pre-configured or all, all tested based on all your engineering that's been done to date so the customer doesn't need to know OpenStack or know how to support it. It Correct. will be done by yourself.
2: Correct, yeah, but it's, it's kind of more than that because we will have a public cloud offering as well. Yeah. So the importance of that is being able to actually take workloads so, say a developer is going to develop things on um, the, the public cloud, which will be a, you know, a very cost effective option, but then move it into a private cloud option that they've got on their own premise. It's going to be the same code base that sits underneath, and actually, it, it will move without any changes to the infrastructure. So, quite fundamentally, it's about being able to give the customer that flexibility of moving from public cloud, low cost, down into a private cloud with some more secure data data centric.
1: So, the K5 offering that, that encompasses both. The the public and the All private, there. so it's the yeah. sort of a joined-up view of um, depending on where you need to have your workloads. Correct.
2: Um, it'll also include a product sale where we don't even get involved, and yeah. we'll obviously, as, you know, we sell hardware as well. Yeah. And the product uh, part of our business, we'll have a prime fix for cloud, which is a which is part of the K five offerings. And so, literally, a customer can go and buy the, the tin and, and the whole stack, the converged stack, and take it and run it in the on-premise and then control it how they want.
1: Okay. And what made you go for for OpenStack is the is the platform
2: um we've had uh, our other platform for a while, which is our, uh, what used to be called t p s five which is now cloud um, cloud service K- uh, cloud service s five um that was based on a kind of a Zen hypervisor, but there weren't a lot of open stake, uh, sorry open source elements um and we found you know the development cycle was quite difficult to keep going um you know with the adoption and and there's this balance and with the maturity of OpenStack and also the ability to contribute back into the community, we've been long supporters of open source software. We've been, you know, we were founding members of the likes of the Linux Foundation, uh, etc. So we've been involved in open, open source software a long time. And we felt that there was a mature time to actually bring this to market. Yeah. And use it as the foundation for the kind of the enabler part of our business going forward.
0: You touched on something there and I'd like you to, to just explain it in a bit more detail if you might. In terms of hybrid IT, yep. what, what does that mean? <laughs> How does that help? Where is it going? So
2: so many of our customers, and, I, and I'll give you an example. We've got, we've got a customer, um, one of our reference customers, HS2. They need to be able to flex their IT really quickly and easily depending on what they're doing, the projects they're working on, and that sort of thing. So for customers out there been able to make the best use of cloud services, but also where they have to deal with security or data sovereignty or any of those aspects, having a, a, a hybrid infrastructure is actually, it's almost, that's the norm now. Mm-hmm. And being able to run and being able to deploy these services uh, and you know, keep them under the governance, make sure that people are actually controlling kind of all the cloud infrastructures, etc., is is paramount. There's also, if you look at those traditional infrastructures, they're about the kind of robust IT. They are about the things that can't fail. And you don't want to necessarily fiddle with them, but you need to be able to create the agility of creating new platforms, new things that you need to take to market as part of a business. You need to get the best of both worlds. And hybrid IT is really about providing the best of those both worlds and providing it in a, in a, a consistent manner that the business can actually be, you know,
0: understand how it's deployed, understand the costs, etc. Brilliant. Brilliant. And so who are the key players in this space other than yourselves? So obviously, you know,
2: many of the vendors are, are kind of talking up um, hybrid IT at the moment. Many of our competitors um, are doing that. Um, also, the uh, the hyperscale vendors. So, you know, Azure, for example, are releasing their Azure stack later on this year. And they've been dealing with the likes of uh, Azure Pack. VMware have their own hybrid infrastructure, you know, vCloud Air and, and the VMware on-premise. So, you know, it's, it's around the marketplace. But... How do you pull that all together across multiple vendors is, is I think, important. Um, and that's essentially where we're trying to trying to make sure that we have that, that capability in the marketplace. So, you know, we've got customers that have got services on Azure versus services, you know, internally versus, you know, they have also using Amazon. So it doesn't actually matter within that hybrid landscape. So I think many of our competitors, are, they may focus on one er- element rather than trying to understand how a customer would actually utilize it and that's kind of where we that's where we're trying to play.
1: now you are you targeting any particular types of use cases so you know DR is a, is a, is a common one or test and dev I mean do you are you focusing on any particular ones or are you pitching it more as you know this is a, a platform it's an infrastructure and you can really use it for whatever you need to
2: Um, more and more it's a platform for enablement of uh, kind of creating digital digital solutions yeah more and more it's becoming something which is about and it's not just you know we're talking to some extent around the infrastructure as a service layer it's more actually about those other layers that are on top of it so you know be it cloud foundry or you know some sort of you know, the API layers etc that is actually where we can, where we starting to see a lot more traction mm-hmm. in the past it's been the good old test have yeah, yeah. um, it's been the good old uh, you know disaster recovery the service kind of in the last sort of 12 months has been pretty key, and I think that will continue to be key. There's some difficulties there, because especially if you're going across platforms, make sure that you can convert and convert mm. back again, uh, and you keep the resilient, you know, the architecture in such a way that you don't kind of lose the information when you do that. So I think there's, you know, uh, that will continue to be built and mature, I think.
0: But yeah, it really it is about an enablement. Yeah. Really,
2: and that's key for us.
0: And, and what I really like about what you've described is the ability to shift. Correct. And to avoid not necessarily vendor locking, but cloud locking or prem lock.
2: Correct. And, you know, one of the biggest reasons for open, using OpenStack is, is exactly that. The vendor lock-in, it's still a, a technology, so you're still locked into that technology to, per se. But there's a lot of the APIs that are available that, you know, can be used in the likes of, um, you know, across with Amazon. That's why it was initially developed at the end of the day. But um, but also being an open source platform, that stops that vendor locker, which is a good thing. And we are concentrating on trying to utilize many of those open source projects to be able to enable, help with this enablement and provide the enterprise focus around all of them as well, which, is, which again is pretty key. So Cloud Foundry has become pretty huge for us.
1: In terms of the um, public cloud offering for K5, how would I as a consumer... Um, engage with you on that. So would it be an Amazon, you know, sign up with a credit card? Would it be more of a, you sign up to a, you know, one year agreement? Um, What are the the options?
2: It's really focused on how we can help those
1: enterprise customers
2: make the best use of cloud. Um, So yeah, it it won't be credit card, it'll be we'll have to vet a customer, vet a, you know, who's going to be using that. But after that, it's pay-per-use. There's no um, there's no contractual buy-ins or anything like that. If the customer wants to use it for a month, they can use it for a month. If you know, a day, a day, an hour, whichever. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's built on all the normal characteristics of cloud: auto scaling downscaling, upscaling, etc. It's all
1: there. Yeah, I think some of the um, some of the customers we talk to like the idea of cloud, but they don't like the idea of cloud provider who you just sign up by your credit card, and they're very much a black box. And if you've got any issues, there's yeah something you deal with. The, the enterprise ones in particular want that sort of overlay. They want someone engaging with them to help guide them along the way. And um, it sounds like that's what you're your Absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, there's other capability which we've launched as well. So we've got the likes of our FCSM, which is our Fujitsu Cloud Service Manager product, which essentially allows us, gives us the governance and control over multiple clouds. Mm-hmm. So when the customer does want to utilize public cloud infrastructures like Amazon or Azure, etc., but they, you know, they want to give the developers the freedom to be able to go off and create things, but we can still pull those things un- under the go- governance and control. So we can understand where the spend is, and scan, and we can allocate it to a department, etc. So in those instances, we'll work with the customer to make that real. We'll, but you know, K five itself is used. Uh, you know, is going
1: to be something that you still sign up, and it'll be. Right, so if you've got a customer and they have a, a dev team that have just been using Amazon for the last five years and they don't necessarily have to convince them to throw it away, you can bring Correct. that under your management.
2: Correct. So we can bring that under the management and then provide K5 as the runtime environment for that yeah. sort of infrastructure going forward, which is enterprise-grade. And you know most of the the enhancements um, that Fujitsu have done has all been about creating that enterprise capability. So where there's been... Elements of the OpenStack infrastructure that can't cope with certain failures, we've enhanced those elements, and we're committing those back into the, into the um, codebase as well.
1: In terms of your um, public offering and, and the data centers, where are your data center locations and what, what's your sort of roadmap for expanding? So we actually are
2: live. We are live. Yeah. We're live in Japan. So we went to J- live in Japan uh, towards the end of last year. Um, that's been matured over time. We went live in the UK on the 20th of July, and yeah. um, we'll be going, uh, we're deploying into Finland and into Germany as we speak, so we'll be going live in those two locations toward the end of this year. We'll also be deploying to Spain
0: yeah.
2: uh, and North America, and there's plans for Malaysia and Australia, Australasia as well. Yeah. And then from then onwards, it's you know, how we expand into other areas. Yeah, we're not sitting on our laurels, we, we yeah. are very much investing in this and deploying it globally.
0: Brilliant. You've, you've talked a lot about enterprise grade. What about those that are listening that think, oh, I'm an SMB, I'm a medium-sized, maybe even a large? Is it still relevant for them as a platform?
2: It absolutely is. So especially when we talk about the public cloud sort of capabilities in there, very much relevant. Again, you know, been able to, I think relevant to, in two areas. Number one is, you know, having a consistent, a, a platform that you're not tied into, again, in terms of that open stack variant. But also been able to then, offer those wares up to other customers so you know there's a lot of and we're working with a number of different sort of small and medium-sized companies to understand how we can actually bring those into almost the marketplace of offerings that we can
1: take to market so very much still just to dive into that what would be this minimum I know you probably don't have a fixed number but if I'm a customer with 20 servers or 200 or or 2,000 you know if I've got 20 is this something I'd probably be would make sense for me or is it Kind of more the 200 servers or maybe 500 users what's the it's the kind of um so i think in the in the past we
2: probably would have said you know we're going to go with something which was a slightly larger mm-hmm. but if i then talk about the cost base of the pr- platform in a public cloud we will be promising to keep in line with the hyperscale vendors and it's not always amazon it yeah. could be ibm blue shift it could be you know whoever else but generally the hyperscale vendor uh, so and in some instances, of the smaller machines, we're actually going to be cheaper.
1: So you've also got that overlay of the, the Fujitsu overlay of the guidance and the, all your services and your, your other support.
2: Correct. So there's nothing stopping an SME coming on board. Um, I think you probably find that um, the, the overlays of the other capabilities we, over, you know, we put on top of that for some small SMEs may be too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got to realize that. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, you know, we've got, uh, I have a customer at the moment, which I'm running on one of my clouds, it's 68 servers, Yeah. it's not, it's not, you know, it's not massive.
1: But sometimes if you've got 68 servers, you, you still might have a, you might be a hedge fund with a lot of very important 68 servers. Correct. So, yeah. Exactly.
2: Um, so those, you know, that 68 servers and that, you know, that's research. Those are, um, uh, you know, uh, pre-prods and etc. So the infrastructure they're running is essentially a website going out, mm-hmm. it's not a big environment. So. We do, you know, it's not as though we, we, uh, we only take on 2,000 boxes. Yeah. Um, there
0: is a bit of a scale here. Okay. And what sort of benefits have they seen out of the service in, in terms of uh, dealing with yourself?
2: So that, that customer will hopefully be mo- moving on to, to K5.
0: They're actually running on our S5
2: platform. Um, I went to go uh, to see them and um, it was quite interesting. And they said that in the four years they were running on the S5 platform, they hadn't had a downside, a downtime. Um, you know, Fujitsu, when, and, and this is this is kind of the Japanese heritage, when they commit to do something, they tend to do it really well, <laughs> and they put all into it to make it actually real. So, you know, we, um, and that was the whole mantra behind the kind of enterprise grade. We, we want to make sure that this environment stays up, regardless of what happens. And we've designed it as such, and that's what's, what's become really important for those customers. I think what we haven't been able to do in the past with those customers is keep in line with. The functionality. Right. Okay. So um, you know, we may not have been able to to evolve and create every single bell and bells and whistles that are out there or even keep up with some of the other technologies. Um, deploying it as an OpenStack platform with the other components that we've got on top of it is about, you know, addressing that and keeping in line with, with the way the market will be developing in the
0: future. Let's, um, let's explore that a bit in terms of the way you see things developing and, and mm-hmm. what's coming through the pipeline to the extent you can share it. Um, what is coming? So, so I haven't spoken about the other components on the platform. Uh, we have
2: uh, you know, the first release, which went live um, around about the same time um, in the UK, is the PaaS layer. So we have by standard um, Cloud Foundry on the platform. Um, we'll have uh, we did an acquisition of a company last year, a company called NewshareSoft, and we've developed uh, using their software uh, and their capability, as well as some of the Fujitsu IPR, we've added uh, some um, ability to essentially create applications and, and manage application sets. So it's kind of that application as a code, mm-hmm. so a set of applications. You know, it could be X number of servers, etc. All as a, a single entity and be able to actually start to manage that as a single entity. So we'll be deploying that on the platform. That'll go through iterations. So the first release, obviously, you know, it only supports a certain amount of operating systems, but it'll expand over time. Um, we also have a um, development platform, which is uh, for, I suppose, for legacy type of applications. It's, it's Java based, but it's um, based on our Java Glassfish uh, um, development platform, which we have in Japan um and uh, it can scale pretty large um one of the largest customers in Japan that they're using this with um has about 30 million lines of code so it kind of can scale <laughs> yeah. so yeah some really good so those are those uh, we've also partnered with um Apogee around the API layer um and there's some other up and coming things around Akamai with CDN uh and then all the other normal components on the cloud so you know be a DNS, et cetera, all of those sort of components. So that's, that comes with release one.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: As we move on, we've also then got uh, things like our API, uh, sorry, our AI platform, um, which uh, Japan have been using. Um, and we've been rolling that, that out globally, uh, a platform called Zenray. And there's some really good use cases that our research and development have been using for that. Um, analytics platforms that we've been rolling out onto the platform, uh, analytics and big data platforms. And, and IoT, so there's a lot coming.
0: Let's <laughs> yeah. touch on that last one. Mm. I presume you mean Internet of Things. Yep. And uh, and how do you see that developing? That's an area I'm quite interested in.
2: Yeah. So so you know um, we've developed capability and act- had things taken to market uh, already around the IoT platforms. Uh, we've got a, a bit of a use case around some of the water treatment elements. So there's a there's a company in in Japan which we uh, you know, kind of used as a reference around IoT. Um, and they've done, uh, they actually resell their IoT platform out to the marketplace. And they use that to do, for example, you know, testing of water water uh, clarity. But essentially it's the other person that's developed it using the platform and, and, you know, taking that out to market. And they use that in the likes of China. Uh, we also have, in our IoT platform, we have the um, uh, well-documented uh, connected cow. Which is um, uh, how we use uh, the telemetry that we enable as part of um, the connected cow a cow which is, has has a, a kind of an IOT device that allows us to actually then look at what's happening around that looking you know what the menstrual cycle is what you know when they you know when they're ready to be milked etc and provide all of that about how, you know how can we then enhance the you know, the production of the milk and production of other elements around that. So those are the types of things we, you know, sort of focusing on. we have, it's quite a long list of, there's of, um, a connected dog as well. Yeah. Uh, it's been launched in Japan. So lots of interesting things. And it's those sort of things that I think are the, the way we, the way I think we're quite different. Um, whether we've actually been able to focus on certain industry sectors and actually really understand how we can take and use technology to benefit that technology.
1: Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of innovation other than, you know, we're talking about boring old cloud. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of innovation on top. So I guess Correct. if you're a customer thinking about cloud, but you also, you want to take some innovative approach, then, um, you know, you guys can, can help, with them, help with them. Absolutely.
2: With yeah. yeah. And that's what it is about. As I said, it's the, the platform we see as the enabler. Yeah. The platform's not, you know, is, yes, we're selling the platform, but it's the enabler for being able to, create these new types of services, and the new markets, and create that competitive advantage for a customer, and for their industry, and you know, for they where they want to, you know, we've got a lot of new players in the industry that have changed the way things have happened. So a lot of our um, customers need that supporting infrastructure and that enablement, enablement to, you know, to make sure that they can keep competitive, as well as create new services going
0: forward. And that's what it's all about, really. Brilliant, thank you. For those who'd like to find out more, mm-hmm. we'll obviously have your contact details in the show notes. Yes. But, um, where can people head to find out more about K5 and, and the other products?
2: So we'll be, um, obviously there's a marketing campaign around this, so there's um, what we call K5 You Can, and there's a lot of information around that. Um, uh, so obviously our website will have all the information around K5 and the architecture, the PAS components, mm-hmm. etc. So that's probably the best place to start. Um, there's a lot of information that's going out on the likes of Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. So there's a lot of information there. Um, we have our, uh, our world tour information that we've had in the last few months. So you know there's, there's information that's been released as part of that. Um, you know That includes videos, uh, interviews to show the types of things we're looking at. Uh, and then we'll have um, our, our, um, our fidgety forum towards the late, latter part of this year, I think it's September, which um, you know we'll then be showing the next revisions of what's actually happening. So any of our customers, we can generally bring them to that and they can they can have a look. So lots of different places uh, and obviously, yeah, through my contact details as well.
0: Excellent. Thank you. And in closing, gentlemen, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the partnership with Extrovert and, and how the two businesses are, are working together for customers?
2: So for us, um, um, extrovert has been helping us, and you know, it's about a lot, a lot about the knowledge and expertise that they've created, they've had over the last number of years. You know, we have come from quite traditional backgrounds, uh, and we need to be able to utilize companies that are continually learning uh, as partners to really help us uh, and help us create and look at the knowledge, and then look at the creative creativity side, and actually look at how we can actually use that going forward.
1: Yeah, I think um, what we're very good at is transformation, getting people into into the cloud. And I think that's where it works really well. You've got this great new cloud platform. Um, but what we've got a lot, a lot of history doing is getting people from where they are at the moment and doing the whole transformation process, looking at the whole approach of it. Um, how do I transform my workloads? Um, what workloads do I move? And, and just the whole getting from A to B. And that's where it,
0: um, I think it fits in really well. Brilliant. Guy, Pete, thanks for joining me. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Ollie. That brings us to the end of another episode of Cloud Insiders. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. And to find out more and access show notes and downloads, head over to cloudinsiders.fm. You can track us on Twitter at Cloud Insiders, and we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes. See you next time.